It's June 7th, 2020, and welcome to episode 37 of the Baby Metal Podcast. We gather in the podcast Discord server on alternate weeks to discuss news and thoughts on the past and future products of Baby Metal. We invite you to join us, whether you're a longtime fan or have only just arrived. I am Paul, and I am joined by Kevin. Hello, welcome back. And Callie. Hello, everybody. Hello, so um, we are pleased to announce that Callie has joined the podcast team, so we will continue to hear from her. Uh, if you don't know Callie, uh, two episodes ago, we had a fairly long uh, discussion with her about herself. <laughs> so, yeah. um, but anyway, welcome on board. Yay. Yeah, Thank welcome. You. I'm very excited. Glad to see our method of tricking you into joining full-time worked. Yeah, <laughs> it <laughs> works. <laughs> very, very carefully crafted plan. <laughs> so, uh, there's not actually been a whole lot of news since the last time we recorded. The plan for this episode is going to, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about what little news there was, but uh, then the main topic for this episode is going to be a discussion of the song and the things around it, uh, Megitsune. So various things about uh, its release, its performances and video and all that stuff. There's, there's a ton of stuff, actually, it turns out. Um, this is the song that they've been, they've played this song live more than any other song by some margin. So, and it still continues to this day. It's it's a pretty notable song. I guess you would say it's sort of, um, it's sort of canonical baby metal. Mm. It's it's um, what well, there's a word I'm looking for and I can't come up with it. But anyway, um, so I guess that begs the question: Is there non-canonical baby metal? Yeah. Um, what is the word? I want to figure out what the word is that. I, um, oh well, it'll come to me later. But uh, it's like it's like the perfect example. I guess sure. is what they think, because it makes it into pretty much every show. So as far as recent news goes, um, we have uh, the Download Festival has decided they're going to do uh, from June 12th to June 14th. Uh, it's sort of in lieu of their actual festival. They're doing download TV on YouTube where they're streaming a bunch of things. And that does include Baby Metal and presumably does include the one from Download 2018. Presumably. Yeah. We don't know when any of this stuff is going to be precisely, just the dates. I guess that's before we record again, so. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know much. You know, the, um, you, it's possible to buy the Blu-ray for the you know Download 2018 Festival. I've probably complained about this before. Uh, I find it almost unwatchable because of the way they, the way they did the video translation. It skips a frame every few frames. Oh. It's really yeah. terrible. Bizarre. And it has something to do with like PAL and TSC conversion. But uh, yeah. I suppose that I suppose Europe is still stuck on PAL. <laughs> right. <laughs> but but the thing is most most of the tech could have played it, you know. So right. if it if they just left it in PAL it would be fine, but I think it's I think it is unrecoverable. Like I think it skips a frame. So it's not like you'd have to somehow interpolate that right. data. Anyway. So, it's possible there's a chance that what they stream on YouTube might actually look better than the thing you get on the Blu-ray. Yeah, <laughs> Irritatingly. <maybe. laughs> yeah, it's annoying. Also, Riho turned 22. Happy birthday. Yeah, yeah. happy birthday. Otherwise, yeah, like I don't, I don't have much else to say about that. That's yeah. all. <laughs> notes on that. It's an event. It happened. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think we talked about this last time, but the forum uh, sales figures were good. You know, they, they I didn't... Uh, write down what the, what they were but um uh enough people pre-ordered it that it made the charts in japan and stuff so awesome yeah it's anyway. awesome and i think i saw the tower records in shinjuku had a forum cardboard 
yeah, kind of breakout display. stand. Yeah. yeah, display to buy it. Cool. Yeah, this is what passes for news. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. Any other sort of news or speculations either of you wanted to chime in on? Actually, yeah. Um, Baku posted this in our chat. And I saw it, I think, yesterday. He reported on it uh, from Baby Metal News. The uh, Nikkei Entertainment power rankings. Baby Metal went up in the power rankings for the first time in a couple of years. Mm. Nationwide. Oh, wow. Yeah, I think they went down in 2017 and 2018. So they are gaining ground. I suppose a new album will do that. Yeah, I've always found this chart a little bit um, incomprehensible, but it it, it <laughs> has something to do with kind of like whether people recognize the name and whether they're interested in it. And it's mm-hmm. this sort of two-dimensional chart that I guess shows sort of something like a prediction of you know future success. <laughs> right. So I remember seeing this last year too. And I don't know. I don't know. It's interesting anyway. It's good that we're, you know, sort of on the positive half. Right. We've recovered from the dark side. Yes, there's a, if you want to check this out on the babymetalnews.com site, there's uh, quite a bit of graphs and figures and analysis there. Yeah, so, and Paco did a great job yep. doing his own little data analysis on it. But uh, yeah, it does, it does seem like there was, in some cases, a dip in 2018, that, or 2019, 2018-2019, that is more than recovered for uh, in 2019, 2020. Mm-hmm. Imagine that being yeah. active, releasing an album and touring is good for business. Yep. It's, <laughs> it's funny though. You know, it, it, it's, so what was the last thing we, the, I guess the last thing, I don't know what the last official thing we had was. It's possible that it was the, um, the stream. Yeah. The Wembley stream, but it's still funny how people are just, you know, despairing. <laughs> already you know (laughs) less than a month ago we had something official from them but nevertheless yeah uh okay anyway hopefully there won't be hopefully the despair will evaporate soon if it's not on the 10th maybe it'll be on the 20th hopefully there'll be something this month okay maybe that's enough maybe we've gone through enough news and there's enough makitsune stuff here that we could probably dive into that sound right sounds good yeah sound good all right so um, the main topic we'll talk about uh, today is th- is the song Megitsune. It has so things about it, which I didn't actually realize until I sort of sat down to think about it. But it's persisted the longest in their set. Um, it's still consistently in their shows. I've checked this out on Setlist FM, and uh, it was premiered on June twenty second, twenty thirteen, at a Tower release event. And the last time it was played was March first, twenty twenty, which was like the last time they played. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so. The count on Setlist FM is uh, 232 times played, um, and oh that is the most. Wow. So, that's pretty nuts. I would have guessed it was "Give Me Chocolate." Yeah, yeah, yeah that's what I would have thought. And this edges out. Like I always think of "Give Me Chocolate" as the one that is they can't get rid of. They always play it. Mm-hmm. But um, but this one beats "Give Me Chocolate." "Give Me Chocolate" is at 219. "Road of Resistance" is at 165. "Headbangers" at 158. Uh, IDZ is at 155 and Karate's at 155. So it's a constant. Yeah, <laughs> that's wild. Um, and I almost had that word back. I almost thought of it and I still can't. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like it's a, it's like prototypical, but it's not. It's something like that, though. Um, Synonymous? Representative? Yes, it's like it's like all of those words. <laughs> but, Iconic? Anyway. <laughs> 
It is all of those things for sure, at least. Yeah. But yeah, so it was it was released June nineteenth, twenty thirteen. I guess that was maybe the video. Oh, actually, they there was um, uh, well, this is somewhere in there in my notes about this, but they they had a kind of a funny little teaser trailer. Have you seen this? The the parrot, uh, or I guess it's a, it's a, maybe a cockatoo or something, but uh, it's on Toys Factory. They had in an, in advance of the release of this, they had this little video where there was this cockatoo sitting there, and someone came and like hit play on a recorder, uh, like a tape deck or something. Um, and it started it started uh, playing with Gitsune and the cockatoo started headbanging frantically. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. I, you know, I don't think I've seen that. It's very funny. <laughs> <laughs> but so I guess that was probably the the first the first thing. Uh, okay, it was the second major label single after Ijume Dame Zatai. So the label was uh, Toys Factory, BMD Fox, Toys Factory, Amuse. Um, and it was the first song they released after, after separating from Sakura Gakuin, so that they were an independent entity. Uh, and this was a bit before the album itself was released. So this was June 2013. The album came out at the end of February 2014. Right. And what else? I guess I have a couple of figures here. Um, it peaked at number seven on the Oricon Weekly Singles Chart, uh, selling 22,000 copies that week. It charted on Billboard Japan Hot 100, peaking at number 16 in the week of July 1st, 2013. Anyway, um, so there's a whole, there's a whole bunch of different things to talk about. I want to, we can talk about the, uh, the video, the costume, the choreography, uh, the events around the release and the different releases that there were, uh, the music itself, the lyrics, uh, the performances and anything else we can think about. So I, we can maybe just kind of go through those in something like that order. Um, so maybe we can start with, oh yeah, here I see in my notes, the, um, the thing about the cockatoo. The, ah, yes. the teaser was uh, May 31st, 2013. But, and then the, the video itself was uploaded on June 4th, 2013, so a little in advance of the song release. But so maybe we can start with just talking about the, the video itself. I'll start off by saying that after seven years, we're at 64 million views on YouTube with it. That's amazing. That's which so, is not so good. an insignificant number. <laughs> no, it's really not. Among those millions of views, probably everybody listening to this constitute a few. <laughs> so I'm sure everybody's seen this. Right? <laughs> it's neat because they have, you know, the the musicians are all playing these kind of like traditional instruments, and it's taking it takes place primarily in this shrine. It's kind of scripted out. You know, it's it's um, not like our new or recent videos of live shows. And they have there's a costume that maybe that maybe that's something we can talk about a little bit. Um, their costume is quite different in this, you know, just in all the things surrounding Magitsune. They have yeah. this, these sort of, um, oh, what do you call it, kimonos on. They've, and it's unlike anything they had before or after, actually. I'd love to see them wear kimonos again in different colors. Yeah, definitely. I sort of hadn't completely internalized how different they were, but it's, it's, it's not the sort of like tutu-type skirt, you know, or anything like mm -hmm. that. No, no. Um, uh, but and they did a lot of press around this. <laughs> I mean, I guess it was because it was sort of their almost like their debut as an independent group. So there's a lot of imagery that's sort of associated with that look, you know. And the mask also also comes from this, right? Mm. Yes, yeah, so the kimonos are over their kind of costume. I guess that's from, true from looking yeah. at the photos. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I don't. I guess I don't often see it see them full length <laughs> wearing these things. They're usually like no. sitting in a chair or something. Yeah. Right. But uh, the other thing that's that's really cool about the um, video is that there was a commentary track. I think we've talked about the commentary tracks on the other ones as well. We have. But um, so it's it's neat to hear them talk about you know the various aspects of shooting this. 
um, and there's a translation uh, on the uh, the do metal blogspot.com site nk do is the is the guy who does this and you know so there's there's some translations of of their commentary as well um, although they those have been translated into subtitles on at least some of these videos yeah the commentary is so so cute and they, they just go they just i don't know i can't really explain they just get so excited about just watching the video again <laughs> mm. yeah and they periodically break off into like singing along and stuff they do it's mm. very very sweet it was apparently very hot throughout this I thought that made sort of an amusing uh, counterpoint to how cold they were during IDZ. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one thing that I've noticed gets repeated over and over and over again about this video, like it's in the commentary, it's in the interviews, is that uh, apparently Moa was dancing so hard <laughs> that she like <laughs> tore part of her costume. Yeah, it was um, in our armpit, I think, from yeah. <laughs> watching it again. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it is funny, though, that this turned into a talking point. It's it's always something that they get asked in interviews and she apologizes for everywhere. <laughs> but it's pretty cool. But yeah, so the, the video was shot at a shrine. Like there's an actual, it wasn't a set, it was an actual, an actual shrine that people uh, have since started going to visit. Um, and yeah. so, I, Kevin, I know you've been there. Kelly, have you been there? Yeah, I have. <laughs> okay, so so tell me the uninformed about what it was like being at the shrine. <laughs> it, it was it was like stepping into just another dimension because you once you get into the area of the shrine, it just it becomes so peaceful. It's so quiet. Everyone there wasn't many people around, and everyone was just so nice, and it was just very very peaceful. And I went on a Sunday. That's when they open up the shrine, so you can see right through the shrine to the back, and you can see the, the little design that they have at the back. So in Throughout the week, that's all closed, so you can't see anything. So we're, I was pretty lucky that I did choose to go on a Sunday. But um, it, I, I spent probably about over an hour there just because it was so mesmerizing. And also because I went in April, there was a cherry blossom tree just next to it and all the petals were mm. just falling down. And it was it was the most prettiest thing I've ever seen. I highly recommend going. Even if people don't even know who Baby Metal are, that shrine is just beautiful. Yeah, one of the things... I didn't realize was how close it is to everything. I assumed it was kind of out yeah. in the middle of nowhere, but no, it's, it's straight up in the middle of the Tokyo in Tokyo. So yeah. it's only three stops I, from Shinjuku on the yes, show line, yeah. um, which if you've been to Trio 2, you've been there. It's only one, it's only two more stops. So it's yeah. really close. It's it's less than a five minute walk from the station. Yeah. It, it, yeah it literally took us five minutes. Yeah. Just go through across a few streets and then it's just in the middle. It's like, it's how has this been put there? It's just in the middle of everything. Yeah, I, it, it's really quite amazing. And it's it uh, it's really old. I, I didn't realize how old it was either. You know, I guess everything over there is pretty old when you're American. You know, it's yeah. pretty new here on a world scale. So. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's a real shrine. You know, you'll see people praying. You'll see weddings. You'll see ceremonies. They do uh, yeah. performing arts for festivals yeah. and things like that. Um, one thing that's really cool that I got to see while I was there um, when there's baby metal shows kind of surround, you know, over, over a weekend or over a week's period. Mm. Um, and they're around the Tokyo area. Uh, some of the artists and some of the people will go leave, uh, emas, which are wooden prayer cards oh, at the right. shrine and they'll, hmm. they'll put fan art on them. Um, oh, wow, that's so nice. Ariyuke or Sato, 
things like that. You can still take pictures of their prayer cards and their art that they hang at the shrine. Oh, nice. Uh, if you follow them on Twitter or Instagram, uh, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Didn't in, um, when Tokyo Dome was on, they put down something and they signed something to put in front of the shrines because they obviously knew fans would go visit the shrine. Yeah. They had a, an autograph card on a table that's on it, the stage. Yeah. 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 Uh, I didn't get to see that. I think that's the only, one of the, the only time they've done that, I think. Uh, yeah. But it's pretty obvious when people are there and you see foreigners, what they're there for. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. it's kind of one of those necessary pilgrimages. Uh, so if you're planning a trip and you're going to stay in the Tokyo area, it's close. It's, yeah. Like I said, three stops. I had no idea. I assumed it was out in the middle of nowhere. One thing I thought was kind of interesting looking at the photos kind of outside the context of the video is that it, it actually seems kind of small compared like the video somehow enlarges mm. it. It makes yeah, it seem tiny. like there's many rooms and it's really yeah. just like a one room and one hallway. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, it's tiny. Kevin, did you walk up right up to the shrine like on the stones? Were you allowed? No, it was roped off both times I've been there. Oh, because when I went there, I was, I was stood in front of the ropes and I was just taking pictures. But and a Japanese mm. um, man walked past me. I, th- I think he saw my baby metal t-shirt. I think he knew I was a fan. He opened the mm. rope for me and I walked across the grass. And I I, oh, I, wow. walk, I walked right in front. And Tom took a video of me walking in front of it. I need to upload it one day. So yeah, I did go right up to the actual shrine and walked on the stones. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, also, what was really nice is opposite, there was, there was kind of like another smaller shrine or just this room. And they were, I think they were doing some like music practice. So as I was mm. there, there was this lovely music playing. And it was just probably the, the best day I just I've ever had. <laughs> It was surreal. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, I, it's also, it's important to note that if you're going to go visit the, uh, stage portion isn't always open. Yeah. You know, the part that has the bonsai tree and all that stuff, um, isn't open every day of the week. No. And I've been trying to find out the schedule of when it opens. And the best I've come up with is nobody knows. Well, I, I, <laughs> they, they just, they just ah. kind of open it when there's, when the weather's good, ah. um, or there's something going on. Because uh, the very first time I went, when I was there for Legend M and those shows, it was closed when I went to visit. Uh, oh. The second trip here for Metal Galaxy, it was open. Because I was told it was only open Sundays. I heard that too, but I went on a weekday this last time and it was open. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's it's strange. Everybody you ask will tell you something different. Ah. <laughs> oh, I was so lucky then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, ne- next time we should just go ask if there's a schedule. Yeah. <laughs> But the shrine's open seven days a week. You can go visit. Yeah, do you just can't open, We're just talking yeah. about the stage. Yeah. To note, there's a little sh- little stream to the right of the shrine, and apparently there's a little goldfish there. <laughs> and um, you can, yeah, people have mentioned that they've seen the goldfish in there, and it's very cute. I didn't know until after I went, but yeah. Oh yeah, actually, I had no actually, idea. yeah, actually saw a little kid and his dad um, next to the little stream. I was like, "What is that kid doing?" So he was obviously looking at the goldfish. <laughs> <laughs> So go look at the stream cool. if you ever go. <laughs> That's great. You know, I think it's possible that that part of what made this seem uh, bigger is the fact that they did have during part of the video the um, the stage was closed except in the front, mm. so gave it, gave it some kind of depth. I'm looking kind of mm. looking at the photos now. There are also some. Um, I don't know where they're where they're from, but there are a couple of stills of them shooting this video. So you know, it's at night. It's all lit up. Mm-hmm. Um, you can see, you know, the, the cameras on tracks and things like that. Yeah. It's quite a big setup. Yeah. It, the, that's one thing about 
this group is that they don't they don't really go half in. No. <laughs> you know? <Yeah. laughs> They're going, all right, well, if we're going to do this, we're going to go all out. Uh, one other thing that shows up in the video that people talk about sometimes is there's a there's a little section where they where they're kind of going through uh, the camera goes through a bunch of gates, um, kind of mm -hmm. like down, oh, yeah. sort of headed down a down stairs. Uh, and in the commentary, they say something about the director went off to you know, to shoot this without them. Um, I'm, it's unclear exactly where those are. So there are. There are probably three candidates that Faku has pointed out. Probably the most likely uh, one is the Sano Inari Shrine in Tokyo. That's the uh, Faku had a, pic a photo that looks just like you know the kind of blurry thing that you see in the video. Um, but I think a lot of these Inari shrines have them. So um, there's another one, Anemori Inari Shrine, Jin uh, Jinjia in Tokyo might be one. And the mm -hmm. one that um, Enkidu thought it was, was a more, more famous one in Kyoto, uh, Fushimi Inari Grand Shrine. Mm. Uh, I, don't know where, I don't know where that is or if anyone will ever know, <laughs> except like the camera, <laughs> the camera person. But um, anyway, that's another, you know, it's another iconic, you know, old Japan thing. Mm-hmm. Do you know, so I don't know if you know this either of you. The, there are some parts of the um, the video that involve like Sue's in a room and uh, Yui and Ma kind of peek around the corner at her and stuff. Um, is that also on the shrine, or is that is that uh, just somewhere else? I, I don't know. Hard, hard and I don't think it's possible to say for sure. Okay, I think we could make an educated guess, um, but that's about as good as we could get. I, I think it's the shrine. Yeah, but that's it's not exactly uncommon architecture in Japan. Right. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's why I was thinking it, it probably could have been anywhere. Yeah, <laughs> but okay. Um, let's see. I don't know any other things you wanted to say about your your shrine trips. Asagaya is a really neat, sleepy little area of Tokyo. It's worth yeah. just walking around once you're done with the shrine. Yeah, that's about yeah. It. <laughs> it, you're, you're right that it does seem kind of funny that there would be a sleepy area of Tokyo. Yeah. You know, you'd be surprised. Uh, I actually had a lot of fun looking for sleepy places in little neighborhoods uh, on my last trip and they're out there. You just got to go find them. Um, they're really relaxing and it's such a different vibe and it's a really nice break from kind of, you know, the central hub areas of Tokyo. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was, I once one, time spent a little bit of time walking around the um, I don't know what it is the the palace I guess or whatever grounds mm -hmm. there's there's a there's a sort of a big park in the middle of Tokyo and that that mm -hmm. also is feels pretty separated from the rest of the world mm -hmm. so as far as the release of this goes I think this is the one that has the most individual little versions <laughs> so there's a regular edition and that uh, that actually came with Akatsuki also. So Magitsune and Akatsuki were both on that CD. And then they had uh, instrumental versions as well, the air vocal versions. That's I, I actually find, um, I, honestly, I have not listened to the air vocal version of Akatsuki anytime recently, but the air vocal version of Magitsune is actually pretty cool. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, really does sort of highlight what's going on in the instruments, although it's um, it's quite electronic. It's quite synthesizer based uh, when you're yeah. talking about that original version. Anyway, it's it's definitely worth listening to that if you if you haven't because um, you hear a whole lot of stuff that you 
you don't normally hear. The air vocal version that's on the CD is just, you know, basically without the vocals. So you can hear all, right. those, all the complexity behind. But somebody, and I don't know who did this, um, some couple of years ago or some something, someone took the air vocal version and then ran it through a slowdowner. So the pitch stayed the same, but the whole, the tempo went way down. Right. And that sounds really nice too. Yeah. So um, it's different, but it, but it is very calm and uh, still very precise. And I, I actually listened to that not infrequently yeah it's two it's like two minutes longer than the uh, actual song um just to give you an idea how much kind of slower and more serene it is there were also limited editions um that they were sort of themed by member right so there's a uh sue metal version a ue metal version and a moa metal version uh and these had a designated member on the front <laughs> um they're sort of they're mostly they're kind of black in color and each of them came with a dvd uh, that were digests of one of the Legend I, D, or Z concerts. So, mm-hmm. what to say about that? Oh, yeah, the, the other thing about the limited edition is it came with Onodari Daisakusen. So, um, the regular CD came with the Sue solo, and the limited edition CDs came with a Black Baby Metal song. So, that's kind of cool. Do you own them all? Uh, well, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see what else. So yeah, they were, these were these were themed kind of like the Sakura Gakuin ones were. So there's a key version, a Tsu version, and a Ne version. So key right. Tsu Ne, right? And the the thing that sort of brings this one up to the the highest number of special editions is that there was a the, there were these May Revolution exclusive promotional editions, um, and those were the ones where they were kind of dressed up in these kind of I don't know I don't know how to describe the costumes, but they were dressed up in costumes with these little like fake fox furs around their necks yes yeah. <laughs> so what are the what do you guys have a name for these costumes these are like the graduation costumes right i call them the fox necklace costume i don't know if they have a real it's name it's very strange <laughs> yeah but they, they are they are traditional right i mean they're 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 like the things that people um wear when they turn 20 yeah so it's, oh, it's, sure. it's just a fox kind of scarf, but they've obviously photoshopped a fox face onto the scarf because obviously because there's like a fox licking its nose. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. I, I, had, I hadn't re- noticed the Photoshop part because um, I, I suspect <laughs> that there is a, probably some object that they are hanging around their necks. Yeah. But Yeah, there's, there's a fox color scarf yeah. thing and they, they shop the fox head. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're wearing they're wearing kimonos, aren't they? Yeah, but they are, but they're you know more elaborate than the the ones that they had in the video. I mean, these are these are yeah, they're yeah, they're really highly decorative. They're very unique. Yeah, and they got little yeah. hair accessories in their hair. When I was a child, we had a display doll. I don't know exactly what you'd call it, but it was in a glass case, and it was dressed in one of these things. So, I mean, like, I really, I think this is, this is, this is something <laughs> from <laughs> historical Japan, but mm-hmm. anyway, so there were four of these. There were, there's, there's one that has been referred to as the regular edition that has all three of them on the front. Um, and then there was one each for each member as well. So the standard edition is actually the one that is the most impossible to find, <laughs> the one that has all of them on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One, one other thing that's interesting about these is that they they say baby metal spelled out in katakana, which does not happen very often. Am I right? Yeah. Most of the time it's spelled out in Roman letters, but for some reason they've actually spelled out baby metal in, 
in Japanese. Yeah, I feel like they spelled it out in kana more in the earlier days before they started gaining popularity internationally. Yeah, it's possible. I think, I think that coincides because the, the more the older stuff you look at, the, the more you'll see kana up to a point. Yeah, although uh, I should go back and look at the, the Sakura Gokuin, you know, um, whatever it is, message. What was the first one? Message, I think, was the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, to see if it, because I, I thought it said even in Roman letters there, baby metal, but anyway, whatever. These are, these are the, um, the rarer of them. Uh, right. they, these, these May Revolution exclusive ones. And I think, I think it's possible that they only were available at an event. So all the ones that you're seeing now were never actually like sold yeah. at retail. They were, you know, there's, there are people reselling them over and over again. <laughs> Correct. Uh, every once in a while they show up on the various places to buy things secondhand. Yeah. So they're still out there. Yeah, it took. Uh, I have them though. It took me quite a long time and uh, not insignificant number of yen <laughs> to get the the regular one that has all three of them on it. <laughs> oh, the other thing about this is that they had uh, sort of an interesting remix, uh, the Takina re- remix of Magitsune on there. Um, kind of a I don't know a rarer version. It's interesting. I don't I, I don't mind it. It's nice. But <laughs> oh, um, uh, Faku in the um chat just said that it was uh, made by Magitsune's creator, uh, Yuyo Uh I did not know that, um, but okay. So so apparently DJ Takine is uh, oh. the same person. Okay. So, uh, And if you don't know what the remix is, it's basically just a dance version, like a house trance remix that you would hear at a club. That's right. the best way I can describe it. Yeah, it is. It's... Um, it's processed in a way. I mean, like it's, it's um, not just like an extended version. It's like very right. interesting artistic things are done anyway. Yeah. So if you're looking for all the editions, I think this one wins the contest as having eight different editions. So yeah, I was, I was going to say, it's just the most. <laughs> um, IDZ has seven, I think. Yeah, IDZ has a lot. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, just, I mean, it's basically the same setup too there. Mm-hmm. I've just seen the, um, the Sue version of with the fox thing around her neck mm-hmm. is going for four hundred dollars on eBay. Hey, there you go. <laughs> yeah, it could be yours. Uh, One low time fee. No. <laughs> <laughs> for those who are actually interested in trying to acquire these things, um, I would not advise eBay. No, yeah, Faku just said as well. Yeah. Almost all of these. I mean, essentially, what I have always found is. The price itself is marked up pretty high, but also they're usually free shipping, which means you can get no benefit right. from yeah. sort of grouping things. They just pack the shipping in with a price. It's not actually that hard to use, um, you know, something like Tenso or Bai or Zen Market. So, yeah, I, I use Zen Market. It's very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my, my experience with all of those has been pretty good. They pack it very well. Shipping is always expensive, but I mean, it's much more expensive if each individual thing is shipped. <laughs> Yes, yes, yes so. definitely. Some of these I got at Mandarake. That's not a bad place for uh, it's. They, they have an online presence. Um, I think it's actually a sort of a chain of stores, but they they sometimes have this stuff. They they kind of resell things. It's a little bit like Trio, I think. Mm. Yeah, in general, people will like bring in their stuff and sell it to the store, which turns around and marks it up and then sells it back. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but they're not bad. The price at Mandarake has usually been acceptable if you are interested in these things so let's see the when they released this they there was 
a there was a release event at Tower. Oh, did you, so have you guys watched the video for this anytime recently? I have. Yes, I did. Yeah. It's very weird. It is, yes, <laughs> I agree. I, I, I almost I don't really know how seriously to take it, but it was cast as like a prayer ceremony for the success of the single. Yeah. I, I don't know why I wouldn't take it seriously. I mean, <laughs> I, I can't decide if it's if it's serious or mocking or what it is. <laughs> but I don't I don't think it would be mocking anything. Yeah, it doesn't seem like I mean, like I, I can see them being sort of uh, playing around with Christian imagery and things like that, which they've done re- regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, but somehow this seems like more off limits. <laughs> Nevertheless, it does seem like it's still somewhat in jest, but um, but they but they brought in uh, you know an actual uh, Shinto priest, uh, yeah, <laughs> and and also like I think it's the CEO of Tower, uh, the guy who's always yep. kind of hanging around with the interviews, um, and then some sort of like stuffed fox suit person. <laughs> yeah, the, that's the, the weirdest part of the whole thing to me. Make it suiting mascot. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, and the things. So you can you can watch a video of this. There's a, a subtitled versions uh, as well. It's but what I've seen is kind of a truncated one. So there, there's it starts off with some sort of thing where um, they watch on TV someone bringing by rickshaw some these little like uh, what are they called inari sushi, which uh, seem to be like food, like sushi. <laughs> <laughs> um, which are being presented as kind of an offering, so these are brought in. They're they're brought in from Toyokawa by rickshaw, uh, which is followed on TV, and then we have some sort of a break, and then you know, and then you know, everybody's there, and they bring in the Shinto uh, priest, and then they all do mostly you know, sort of like solemn, uh, you know, prayer for the success of the album <laughs> or the single. Yeah, I think this was on TV. It was on something. I'm not quite sure. I don't quite understand the venue this was at, but at any rate, um, I noticed that the camera person seemed to be mostly interested in mall metal. <laughs> yes, there's a big old a zoom of her face. I think she was smiling, wasn't she? Well, the the tower CEO is a known Mooshi, so right. ah, he, he, okay. may, he may have had direction to do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a pretty hilarious uh, interview with the 2014 SG seniors where we learned that. Yeah, I think it was like his the lock screen on his phone or something. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's um, that's a weird dynamic, <laughs> I have to say. <laughs> but uh, anyway, um, but yeah. So the, so you, it's definitely interesting to watch this release event, and they're all dressed up in their in their kimonos and stuff, and. And they also did a, a few uh, interviews and things. So there was a, a this is a really pretty good uh, interview, Hot Wave interview, um, just before the release of the single. Um, probably people have seen that, but uh, it's it's really it's fairly substantial. Yeah, there's a couple other things, but that, I think the the Hot Wave interview is probably the most substantial. This is where Magitsune was called Festival Metal. All <laughs> <laughs> no, right, uh, Matsuri Metalu. <laughs> And they hear in that interview again. There's also more discussion of Mo breaking her costume. Um, oh yeah, yeah. And there was a funny thing about. So um, I was going to look this up, and I and I didn't. But there was a sort of a short tour that they did, um, kind of leading up to this. 
I think there were four different shows, sort of like a practice tour in a way. But um, Sue talked about like losing the heel of her shoe at the last show. Um, and Ma talked about also breaking her shoe. And then Yui, you know, volunteers that well, actually she has not broken any of her shoes. <laughs> 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 so that was nice. But uh, but anyway, they they talk they talk actually a fair amount about this particular song in that. So I mean, it's it's related to this discussion of Mikitsune because they, you know, Sue's talking about how the song sort of relates foxes and women and you know these these kind of like stereotype uh, ideas about well the 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 sort of mythological ideas about foxes being you know deceivers and sly and so forth and the admittedly somewhat non-flattering <laughs> comparisons that people have used in terms of uh you know relating that to characteristics of of women and um so you know sue's sort of talking about this and and uh the I th the part that sue seems to like a lot is the the part about how um you know even I, what i what i wrote in my notes i guess she said something sort of like this is even in hard times women have such coolness not to show it you know so there's a line in the song which we'll get to at some point that sort of relates to that mm -hmm. and this, in the interview they talk a little bit about um the the scream part of the scream and dance and this is where um uh i think moa said this that that it's not actually it's not really scream it's it's ayanote, um which is a term that i had never come across before um the like before meeting baby metal <laughs> But apparently that is that is the the Japanese term for this this kind of I guess it's almost sort of like hype, <laughs> right? I mean yeah. it's it's sort of like cheers that are in, intended for like the audience to be able to do or or you know mm -hmm. like these sort of like flanking members to do. Right. I've seen people use this term a fair amount, but uh, nowhere outside this this group have I encountered it. I don't know much about festivals. Um, apparently this has a lot of festival calls to it. Have you guys either either of you been to like it was um uh Kelly you were there in this in the sort of Sakura season were there, were there festivals associated with that? Um of the sort I of rowdy type? No, not that I saw. I didn't experience any. But apparently you know apparently the uh, a lot of the a lot of the stuff that Yui metal and Mall metal have to say in the song, you know, are are really kind of related to festivals and like the the kind of the kind of shouts that people uh mm. say when they're carrying carrying these um like uh what do you call it you know the 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 chairs what do you call those things <laughs> the things that people are when they're carrying these people around on oh on these, yeah, yeah. I, oh, I yeah I know <laughs> yeah. I don't know what they're called but uh you know it's just it's it, there's there's just sort of a uh, a kind of common chant that you do to keep everybody in sync uh, and, you know, it sort of helps in the exertion of effort <laughs> and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And that's a lot of what, what they're saying kind of at the beginning. Um, so, uh, anyway, and that, so this is, this is again, where I dove into the hot wave interview without kind of warning anybody. <laughs> but, <laughs> it's okay. But, um, but it, it's, you know, it's interesting to hear them talk about this song. So, and they also talk a bit about Onodari Dasakusan and Akatsuki as well, because those are on the um, on the various singles. And they explain a little bit about what the baby metal versions of Wall of Death and Moshisha and Headbanging are. The Wall of Death that they were talking about in that interview was actually just uh, in IDZ, you know, Yui and Mo running at each other. It's not referring to the audience at all, but <laughs> anyway. Uh, oh, and, and uh, Yui and Mo really like the 
the you know Namitara Ikanzeo part. <laughs> Darren helped us out in chat. You're thinking of the Mikoshi, the uh, palanquin. That's the thing that they carry people on. Could be. Yeah. I mean, that's not the, neither of those words are the ones I was trying to think of, but those are probably better words than the one I was trying to think of. <laughs> <laughs> so the portable shrine is the Mikoshi. All right. Okay. Anyway, yeah. So I think we could probably turn to talk about the the music itself. Okay, so yeah, the the lyrics it actually doesn't have many lyrics. It's not it's not all that involved, but you know, there's a kind of a meaning and allusions and stuff in there that that are interesting. The main translations that we have, I think, are uh, Enki Du's translations at doometalblogspot.com. And then Dwayne Metal, this is one of the first ones that Dwayne Metal did on mm-hmm. YouTube. And so it's in 10 parts. <laughs> yeah. And these are so good. Yeah. Um, he does a great job breaking it down. I mean, you can tell he's a language teacher, right? Yeah. And he's really passionate about this stuff. I mean, not only is it 10 parts, but basically every sentence is a flashcard where he's written out the kana, written out the translation. Uh, he teaches you, he's basically, he's trying to, the series is trying to teach you Japanese through baby metal songs. Um, so he talks about the kana, the sentence structure and the meaning behind the words, um, as well as the translation. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you haven't checked out any of Dwayne metal stuff on YouTube, you need to. One of the consequences of this being one of the early ones he did is that he, he really is in that mode of like, yeah, you you are going to uh, want to learn Japanese because you like baby metal. So here I'm going to I'm going to I'm do it. Teach you Japanese. Yeah. Uh, in part eight, he he leads that off with a, a news item that kind of exemplifies this. He says he he pointed out that the news item was that heavy metal bands are causing Austrian students to learn Finnish. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently the Finnish classes are are super well enrolled. And when asked why they were <laughs> trying to learn Finnish, it's because they you know they yeah. want they they wanted to sort of like know what's going on in their in their favorite bands. Uh, anyway, yeah, this it uh, it's the, the whole series is great, um, but this is broken down in. It's so some of the later ones that Dwayne Metal did, they're a little bit more just kind of concentrating on the lyrics. But uh, here, because it's sort of early, he spends a fair amount of time, uh, you know, like the first part actually isn't about the lyrics at all. It's just about like the actual role of a fox god in in uh, Shintoism and, and mm-hmm. um, you know, sort of Japanese culture. And he claimed that the sign of the horns, the, the sort of like the metal, the, the metal uh, hand shape that the kitsune was derived from was attributed to Ronnie James Dio. I don't know if that's true. I don't know if that's true. Yeah. But could be. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so he, he, and he actually spends a fair amount of time talking about, you know, some, some really sort of, you know, deep Japanese stuff like this. Um, uh, the, the reason that you, you have the K sound at the beginning of Kitsune, but G in Magitsune, because mm-hmm. it's a compound. And if you have the second part of the compound gets a voiced consonant at the beginning. <laughs> yeah. It's super interesting. Like, yeah. I'll be honest, you have to be kind of in a student sitting in class mindset, I think, to sit through one of these songs. He's done several songs like this, mm-hmm. but it, but it's totally worth it. And it, it's definitely one of the things that got really me really motivated to take learning the language seriously. Mm. I've, yeah. I haven't watched Megitsune's video, but I've only watched um, the one he did of Metataro. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that was it. But I think I will dive into that 10 part series. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it's totally worth it. Yeah, I will. And each one is pretty bite-sized. I mean, like they're they're ten to 
15 minutes long usually, I think. Yeah. So, and yeah, it's not too bad. Honestly, I watched them at double speed. <laughs> <laughs> it's still workoutable. Yeah. But yeah, so he, he, he talks a little bit about all the things that Yui and Moa shout, you know, and all, all the the things that are onomatopoeic, you know, so they're they're like, you know, they sound like things. The hirahira stuff is supposed to be like a butterfly flapping and kudukudu is spinning. And mm-hmm. uh, and I assume everybody knows this by now, but the, the kong 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 is the kong kong is what the fox says. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah. And I can't I can't say what the fox says without that. Think of that song. A neuron. <laughs> but um, yeah. Anyway, but we know what the fox says. It says con con. <laughs> um, you know what? If that ever comes up in a casual conversation with my non maybe eventual friends, I'm just going to say con con because I think that'd be really funny. <laughs> <laughs> see what their reaction is. <laughs> just to see what the reaction is. Yeah. <laughs> One of the things that's kind of cool is. is he will tell you when there are sort of like a mixture between like new coinages and sort of like mm. archaic sounding words, mm-hmm. you know, so those are things that you just can't pick up from a straight translation. Right. But yeah. So what does the song actually mean? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's summed up by the, uh, in, in the middle. This is how I've always interpreted the, uh, the, the kind of threat where she pulls the knife. I thought that was kind of the theme of the song. Um, and Dwayne Metal actually does a pretty good job going into where that kind of comes from. Um, mm-hmm. and, and to quote him, the tra- he, he translates it as, you'll regret it if you underestimate me mm-hmm. uh, or underestimate me at your peril. Um, and it's, it's, <laughs> it's like a girl power song, really, at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, uh, cause I think the, um, and he, 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 the origin of it is, uh, from a, from a movie, a Yakuza movie in the eighties. Um, and a uh, one of the act one of the lead actresses says it in defiance, if I remember correctly. Yeah, well, and I think it was actually sort of a, a threat in the movie. Yes, yeah, it was a threat in the movie. Um, so that that's how I've always thought of this song, and kind of what the theme of the song is. Yeah, it's. I mean, so, and the name of the name of it is like uh, Megitsune is. Actually, I've seen them. Didn't we find this on Osmart? One of their translations failed at one point and actually translated the song as vixen <laughs> um, well that's, yeah and that's actually what Dwayne metal translates make it as as well vixen mm-hmm. but for a while i thought what, what is the song is, is is there a new song <laughs> it's like oh no i know what that is <laughs> yeah it's i mean it's tricky because I, so even after watching Dwayne metal's videos i'm not completely clear on what the connotations of Megitsune are um, certainly in English, Vixen has a kind of a, it, it, it carries along with it extra meanings that aren't necessarily just female fox, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which makes it possibly not quite the right translation. So, because I mean, the thing is that regardless of all that, you know, baby metal has always had this sort of like innocence to them, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I think isn't one of the other translations is Vixen not just female fox but isn't it also um like spiteful or something like that somebody mm-hmm. a woman who is spiteful or something like that it's hard to track this down in english or in japanese you know like what what people very often if you're if you're you know naming people with animal names it's not necessarily very uh flattering right right <laughs> but it's it's unclear it's sort of it's sort of like you know uh yeah i, th- I think it's worth mentioning at this point too that 
translating music in Japanese is really difficult. It, it's more difficult than just regular conversation. Um, <laughs> I think Dwayne actually talks about this as well. Um, just because context and, you know, language and kanji matter so much in that language, whereas in English, it doesn't, there's, you, you can, you can get away with almost no context, uh, because our language is infinitely more simple, um, than Japanese. Mm. Um, so, <laughs> so, well, I mean, in that regard, yeah. it's stupid to translate because we have a lot of dumb rules because it's been bastardized over the last couple hundred years. But, uh, in terms of imagery, it's less complex. Yeah. This I, is what I'm saying. I think so. Translating songs in Japanese is really hard. I don't know. I mean, I think this is probably even culturally generally true, but this definitely is true within the lyrics of lyrics and imagery and everything of big metal is that um, they love ambiguity. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, like you, you get extra meaning by, by saying something that can mean several things at once. Right. right? Um, and there's also one other thing that's, that's sort of different about Japanese from English, at least is that you can very often get away with, and it, you can do this in lots of languages, but um, you can very often get away with not saying like the subject of the sentence. So you don't actually right. know who's doing anything. <laughs> right. So that, that's a place where the context really matters a lot. Right. Um, and so often you could say a single thing that kind of is expressing everybody doing this kind of in a way. <laughs> yeah. I think the line in here that, that, uh, Sue said she liked a lot had to do with a smile on your face while you're crying in your heart, basically, you know, like presenting oneself in a strong manner, regardless of how you feel inside. Mm -hmm. Um, which is interesting, you know, like that doesn't sound that positive to me, but no, it doesn't they, at all. <laughs> nevertheless, they treat it as positive like, you know, yeah. when they talk about it in interviews. Yeah. I don't know. Kelly, what do you think of this? Well, <laughs> all this stuff. I mean, like, um, for me, the only thing I, I kind of get out of this song is they keep saying that women are actresses, women are actresses, but then don't mess with them. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, when Sue gets out the uh, sword or whatever it is, that kind of makes me feel like, yeah, we are actresses, but then, like, we will bite. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think they're, they're kind of just kind of promoting the kind of uh, female kind of woman like ideal in Japan, I guess. Because it's, it's definitely different in Japan than, uh, compared to, like, the Western side of the world. Mm -hmm. from, from what I see, anyway. Yeah, that matches what i feel like i see as well yeah i don't know is there what else I, I feel like that was kind of haphazard was there is there something that we should be talking about that we have yet to talk about lyrically yeah well i mean like you said it's it's not a lyrically complicated song there's not a whole lot to it it's a kind of a what four chorus four choruses and a couple of bridges of basically the same lyrics <laughs> yeah <laughs> But Sue says in an interview once that she finds this song quite difficult to sing, even with all these years singing it. Uh, that's right. Yeah, I can't remember what interview that is, but um, I think it's yeah, quite. I think she recent. said that fairly recently too. Yeah, she did. Yeah, because it was a photo of her in the new the newer costume. Right. Yeah, I think she also mentioned too in that interview that she likes singing it towards the beginning of the set list just to kind of get it out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably the song she finds most challenging because it does get really high. Yeah. Well, probably for most of the song, it's very high. She has to put a lot of energy into that. Mm -hmm. Well, there was, I'm sure you've probably both heard this, but uh, there was a time, I think this, I think it was Detroit, but when 
you know, people were standing outside, you know, waiting for a show to start and you could hear the soundtrack and she, she sang it, uh, alone. Um, and oh, there's been a couple I, recordings of that, but so yeah. you could hear, you know, it's just Sue singing this. Um, it's really pretty amazing actually. Yeah. yeah. I, th- I think it w- the time I actually heard it was when we were waiting to go inside the, um, the arena in Birmingham before they supported the Chili Peppers. She, mm-hmm. we were just waiting to go in and they were just kind of doing a sound check and she sung Megitsune just on her own. And it was amazing. And that, that's the thing, that's the one that's online on YouTube. It's, it's like an acapella version of her singing Megitsune. Mm-hmm. It's very cool. Uh, okay. Yeah. That might be the one I was thinking of. So, yeah. so the, um, so maybe that happened a couple of times cause I have, I have a different one that's labeled as Detroit, Detroit but you can't see anything ah. except the person's hand. <laughs> I'll try and find it. I'll link. I'll link it into the uh, yeah. Chat. There's there's a bunch of them. well, they might have gotten taken down, but you can hear the soundtracks just about everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. But the, the so the thing I was thinking about with that is that um, it's when you hear her do it by it by herself, um, it's kind of jumps out how complicated it is or how mm-hmm. how um. I can see that it would be sort of complex to sing because it really jumps around a lot. I mean, it's it's got a huge range. Yeah. And suddenly, I mean, it's like high note, low note, low note, high yeah. note, high note. Yep. <laughs> um, and so I'm, I'm sure it's interesting. I found it. I yes. posted it in the chat. There you go. That, that is the, the uh, show I went to. Oh, okay. And that is the <laughs> video that I remember as well. Ah, so, there you go. <laughs> yeah, that, that uh, it's, it's really quite amazing <laughs> to hear that. Yeah, she says thank you at the end as well. It's very cute. <laughs> <laughs> Surely they've got to know that people can hear that. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And, you know, there's no time that's safe for sound checking because, you know, people are there, what, 30 hours in advance? (laughs) Another thing that Magitsune is kind of well known for is this, the stuff that they do in the performances, these, like, these goofing around moments. Mm -hmm. Oh, they're so good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, It's quite delightful, actually, that, 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 you know, that... That they do this, and um, and they seem to be, you know, they seem to be just plain goofing around. Yes. So what we're talking about, there's a part in the middle of the song where it sort of slows down, and Sue goes to the back, gets a mask, and comes comes forward, sort of mm-hmm. like hiding her face with the mask. And then Moa and the other person <laughs> uh, sort of are on, on, you know, go down on either side of her and sort of like wave fox signs at her, at Sue. So... There's a time when Moa can see Sue's, like Sue is looking at Moa. The audience in front cannot see Sue's face. And it has come to be known that at least for a while, Sue would start like making funny faces at Moa. <laughs> and I th- I think this is part of so my, what I'm gathering from, you know, little hints from Sakura Gakuin is that this is kind of part of at least the Sakura Gakuin culture, these little yes. Ingo battles. Which is just like making making faces at one another, trying to make the other person laugh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, they're very weird looking <laughs> when they do this. <laughs> I, I think it's definitely picked up the goofing around in the last tour. Mm-hmm. Definitely, I think it's been it's been kind of every it's in, in every Europe show. It's, it's been just consistent, and it's, every single one has been different. Yeah, so it's I think it started pretty subtle, you yeah. know, years ago. Where it was just maybe sticking a tongue out or yeah. making a weird eye gesture. Mm. They tried to keep it kind of on the down low. And I think as they've gotten older, more comfortable, um, and just grown as performers, it's gotten 
more and more ridiculous. Yeah, like yeah, uh, ma- mouthing, you know, kind of culminating. Yeah, mouthing. Yeah, culminating words. into the last tour. <laughs> like yeah, they're mouthing words. You know, Moa will straight up yell. They've done little dances. Yeah. Like Mo will just start doing a little shuffle side to side. Yeah, well, they <laughs> jump, you know, jump Sue will start doing the same thing. <laughs> yeah. They're just getting more bold. Uh, it, it's great. It's, it's definitely one of my favorite parts of the live performance to see what's going to happen. Hmm. Yeah. And they, and it's different every time too. I mean, like the, that's it one is. thing that they, yeah. to the extent that I could say, I know I've never seen two that are the same. No. So I think yeah. the ones are quite like, I, I enjoy watching is, Moa kind of holds Sue's gaze and then does something right at the last second. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, I mean, the goal, of course, is to like incapacitate the other person with laughter, yes. right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> Which, Which we've seen. We've seen Mission Accomplished, I think, a couple of a few times now. Yeah. So I, I did, I kind of skimmed through some of the pro shots um, because, I mean, like, you know, those are the places where you'd be able to see it the best, but they're, they're most able to edit them out oh they always and, cut them out such a shame yeah and I, so basically all of the old ones I, I scanned through some i didn't make it through all but um you know usually they'll cut to the audience or they'll cut to a wide shot um or you just can't see you know like what's going on behind the mask mm. um there's a little in the um the red and black mass ones from 2015 which i think i think those are the ones that came with the metal resistance the one version you can see a little bit of it happening in there in a pro shot but it's just like a couple of frames mm-hmm. um but yeah the the and it, and it sort of gradually uh so i think it started out as just like making faces and and uh and i think hengao itself refers only to that making faces business but uh, it's mm-hmm. progressed to just like any kind of goofing around i mean a, yeah. a lot of it is moa just saying some kind of word yeah <laughs> People have tried to decode what what those words are. Like they believe she says hamburger and stuff yeah. like this. <laughs> but um, and they've got to know. They you know just like with the sound checks, they've got to know that people are watching for these. You know. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. I think they so, do. I, it, I think what's endearing about them is it's one of the few times we get to see their personalities shine through. Mm-hmm. At least for me, that's what makes them endearing. Yeah, because we don't get a whole lot of that. Yeah, most of it is pretty scripted. Yeah. Right. And I mean, there, there are a couple of places where there are similar things. I mean, like we're talking about Makitsune here, but, um, Gimme Chocolate is also another place where there's, you know, shenanigans often. But, mm-hmm. but this one is, Makitsune is sort of the, the most pronounced. Mm. They, they captured the goofing around in Legend Metal Galaxy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did. Yeah. I think the forum, we got the reaction from Sue. We didn't get the, yeah, the we face, did. but we got the reaction, the, the big old laughing smile. Yeah, and I think um, I'm trying to remember which one. The, this is the problem with having all these recent ones look the same. <laughs> so I can't remember which one it was, but but I know I think there was one where you could see it on the big screen behind them. So even though you couldn't see them, um, they did. Mm. They failed to cut away from the the big screen. Right. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember what that was. It was, but I think it was probably one of the like the Yokohama or Legend M ones. Mm-hmm. Oh, and and among the performances that I thought was sort of interesting, uh, the. Very like the official debut of the performance of the song was on NTV Music Dragon, which it turns out we were just talking about last time. <laughs> so, <laughs> so this was the you know they they played the song in some kind of abbreviate, abbreviated version and then then did this like mini interview with the game show with the like playing the games and stuff like mm. that. So last time we talked about the the games, right? Um, but it was that same show, and that's why they were dressed that way too. 
I probably should have known that. Yeah. I did not know that until today. <laughs> so <laughs> last time it was not played in a show, by the way, uh, somebody, somebody on uh, the subreddit uh, named Kuzit uh, figured this out, but, or like, you know, went through and checked all the records, but last time it was not played was at Legend Metal Galaxy Day 2, which is completely understandable. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Nothing yeah. was repeated. Um, and before that, uh, White Mass, so August 25th, 2016. So this yeah, song okay. gets played a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And so just after all this, the goofing around part, uh, there's a part where the mask is thrown. Yeah. Uh, sort of like being thrown into the audience, except that it isn't. <laughs> uh, it's kind of thrown, it's usually thrown into the pit. Um, right. Uh, sometimes it is thrown onto Moa. <laughs> <laughs> um, when the wind catches it and uh, there I think there were maybe two known times when the mask actually made it out to the the audience mm-hmm. so one time recently um, I think we may have talked about that here even uh, the mask made it to the audience and the crew immediately went after it and uh, mm. and requested it be given back and it was given back um, I think the first time that I know about um they didn't go after it. So someone has, someone has a mask that was thrown. That's how I understand the first time. Yeah. It's, it's out in the wild and somebody owns it. And I know someone, it's some spiffy on Reddit. He actually has it in, I think it's his parents' house up on the wall in a glass frame. I think he got it from Sonosphere in the UK. Mm, cool. So it was from quite a fair way and it smashed kind of the nose. It's a bit smashed up, but he kept it and cause they didn't go after it. So he's got it. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. I got to say, that's probably the ultimate collector's piece, if yeah, you can yeah. get your hands on that. Yeah, he, yeah. he was also in the pro shot of that um, uh, festival as well. So he's very lucky. <laughs> How beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think we've delayed long enough. I think we have to talk about the music. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I was, I was, in fact, I was, I was just, just forgotten. A, uh, yeah, so we can talk about the music. Um, and... And maybe next time hear Garrett's thoughts on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we have um, we have a bunch of credits. I'll read read them out kind of quickly here. But um, the lyrics are by MK Metal and Nori Metal. The music is by Yuyo Yupe, uh, and arranged also by Yuyo Yupe. The people that, that were involved in this were involved in other things as well. So um, MK Metal is uh, Miki Watanabe, who um, helped with the lyrics on Kimi Chocolate, Road of Resistance, Awadama Fever, Yava Amore. Brand New Day and Kagoro. So throughout, you know, including Metal Galaxy. Um, Yuyo Yupe is actually, uh, uh, so I should actually, in, in the show notes, Kevin has helpfully put in, uh, like the syllables that I would say. Although I think, <laughs> I think I would dispute one of them. So Yuyo Yupe uh, is what you wrote, but yeah, I think it's Yuyo Yupe. I think you just pause during that penultimate you, one. You do, but you need to give it a little. Yeah. <laughs> sound. But I don't know how to do that in English. Dwayne Metal covers this very carefully. Um, yeah. Talking all about Moray, and he has a little inflatable hammer that he bangs to show you the timing. <laughs> it's really quite excellent. I think actually that might be in the uh, the 11th part. There's a, there's a part that's sort of after the song where he continues to talk about the language. <laughs> right. But um, anyway, yeah. So Yuya uh, Yupe has... Um, uh, been involved in a lot of baby metal stuff. I mean, like probably more than almost anybody else. 
also known as uh, Ipe Metal, uh, and is, I believe, Takahiro Mamiya in real life. Lyrics for Rondo of Nightmare and Karate and co-writing on GJ. Music, Rondo of Nightmare, Karate, GJ, Kagoro. Uh, arrangement, Baby Metal Death, Gimme Chocolate, Uki Uki Midnight, Rondo of Nightmare, Up Down Left Right, BBAB, and uh, co-arrangement on Night Night Burn. So again, somebody who's been there throughout um, and primarily responsible for Rondo of Nightmare. Like that's all this person's song. Uh, and then Nori Metal, um, this was this was a co-lyrics on Magitsune, um, has also, uh, also known as, this is interesting actually, I don't know how they choose their metal names, but they seem to flip around quite a lot. So I think this is the same person as uh, Naka Metal, Nakata Chaos, um, and in real life, Norikazu Nakayama. Mm. So, uh, but anyway, uh, did lyrics on Yava, Amore, Syncopation, GJ, No Rain, No Rainbow, Night Night Burn, and Arcadia. And music on Rosa Road of Resistance, Yava, Amori, Syncopation, Night Night Burn, and Arcadia. So, anyway, point being, uh, this is that word again. Um, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> this is this is a uh, uh, you know peak baby metal. <laughs> there you go. We'll take it. So, okay, um, one thing that people often note about this, I, th- I think this is kind of like a well-known trivia fact. <laughs> in a sense, um, is that there is this melody um, that uh, starts off the song and shows up a couple of times, which people, you know, sometimes they'll, they'll be watching some, you know, like historical Japanese video or, you know, it'll show up in some, in the background of some song and people will say, oh, they're, they're you know, this TV show is playing Magitsune. <laughs> but mm-hmm. in fact, it's a um, this folk song, Sakura Sakura, um, which is, you know, ancient and well-known by everybody. Yeah. So, right. Um, and you know, it's, it's the music. They, uh, they put new words on top of it, but, um, but that's one thing about this, this whole thing, the whole song is that it, it really, it's taken a very strong Japanese-ness mm-hmm. into it. Definitely. I guess I don't have much, I, I don't have notes myself really on the, on the music, but what, what thoughts did you have on it? Um, I think as far as their songs go, this is one of the more processed ones. Like you can hear, you can hear the laptop more yeah. than the guitars i think um compared to some of the other songs across all three albums really um and i think what makes it almost addictive is it's got a really great really easy to understand uh melody to it mm-hmm. um it's not super complex it's not ridiculously heavy but it's also not sedate it's definitely something that anybody Japanese or otherwise can kind of groove to jump to and just enjoy. And I think that's part of the reason it's really successful. And one of the reasons that they play it everywhere is not only is it easily identifiable as, Hey, this sounds Japanese, but anybody anywhere in the world can groove to it and have fun with it. And I think that's what makes the song really kind of unique and probably one of the reasons it's the most played song of their discography. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. This was the first song I just listened to and just, this is the song that made me fall down the foxhole. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does, it does, you know, sort of fit together nicely and it's very, it's got a good sort of, it's energetic, you know, I mean, yeah. um, and all the, the, the sort of festival chants really do make it feel fun too. Yes. So. Yeah, I think the ener- the energy is. I don't want to say, I don't want to say contagious. That seems like a bad thing to say right now, but it's contagious. <laughs> yeah. 
uh, what what is the term for this? R zero or whatever is high. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think. But you're right about it being processed. I found that super obvious when I was listening to the air vocal version. Mm -hmm. That um, there's and and you know when you listen to the even when they play it live, um, there is a they they will play over the backtrack. So, mm -hmm. you know, all the synthesizer, the synthesizer stuff is still there, even though um, the guitars are usually playing over it. Right. But And um, even from a live music standpoint, if you watch the comedy band play it, it's not a super technical song. It's not actually one of their more difficult songs they have to play. Mm -hmm. um, it's pretty simple uh, when you break it down. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just thinking that um, one of the things that Garrett was going to talk about was the fact that he kind of knew how to play this. <laughs> Sure. Oh, cool. So, so we're we're already undercutting his achievement. <laughs> yes, we are, unfortunately. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's interesting. I've heard uh, we've heard, I think, also the stems from "Gimme Chocolate" that appeared in a in some sort of like video game, right? Um, yes. And those also sort of highlight just how processed a lot of these things are in the first album. <laughs> mm -hmm. People complain about like putting effects on sue's voice and stuff but i mean go back and listen to that album <laughs> it's unreal yeah i mean there 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 could be a laptop commie yeah <laughs> but yeah i mean it's still the song it, the song is still heavy ish i mean like the the drums are thumpy and there is a guitar yes there are the um i think maybe some of the uh you know the harmonic squeals uh, you know, are the kind of the things that make it really seem like metal, right? You know, yeah, I think it's unquestionably metal, and it fits their unique genre. Um, but it's not tilted either direction on the metal spectrum, which is, I think, is mm -hmm. what it contributes to its accessibility as a broader piece of music, right? And there aren't any growls. I right. think that's interesting. Hadn't actually occurred to me, but I remember being really on the fence about the growls at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> like i like this but i don't like the growls um, right uh, so we have eric in our chat uh who can play this on guitar and he says it's very easy and simple but very heavy and fun yep that sounds right and it's in drop c for you musical inclined people i guess that basically will affect the range of the guitar more than the mode but right yeah i mean it's using heavy metal guitar technique <laughs> right certainly it's funny, actually, now that we got to the music, I ran out of stuff to say. <laughs> <laughs> Sue did talk at some point, and I forgot now where, but um, uh, about, you know, actually getting, I think this might have actually been in the Hot Wave um, interview that she was talking about actually getting some kind of vocal training for this, that before she had kind of, she'd kind of just been told to like do, do what she feels. Um, and for this, in order to get that traditional singing style um she was actually you know being trained hmm. so but yeah I, I don't know that there's really even more you need to say um yeah because it is such an iconic song musically you know we, we've hit mm -hmm. on all the other things which i think are a little bit deeper anka is the style um mm -hmm. thanks to darren in the chat i had been avoiding that word for some reason that i, I i'm not quite sure why but <laughs> yes uh, that's the, that's the style that the um you know sakura sakura part is being sung in mm-hmm uh, what about um? What about Make It Sunny Live? I because I think the because they do the long intro for pretty much most of the time they do that song, and I think the mm -hmm. longest intro they've done from what I've seen, maybe someone correct me, is the uh, 
there's it, the New Year Fox, I think it's the, the Legend 2015 show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. there you go, Loon said it. Um, and that, I think that's almost two minutes until it actually starts. <laughs> so, and that's my favourite performance of that song, I think, in my opinion. And they, and they come on with um, some more kind of an outfit they have to take off as well. And they're walking along that bridge and they get to the end. Just so epic. Nice. Yeah. There's something that they do. I don't know. I'm not sure if it's this show or not, although they do it sort of regularly. But so the way that the song starts is this sort of like thumping drum. But then then there's this sort of, I think on the album it's synthesized, but it could be a guitar descent. It sort of like goes. <laughs> 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 and Good what was that? Can you do that one more time? What was that? It goes near home, <laughs> but, um, but, but they, what I, what I like about it from a production standpoint is that they always, they, they very often will take the lights down mm. in sync with that, mm. you know, so there's, there's this really nice effect of this, like, you know, reset that they do. Um, and that's the thing that goes on for those two minutes, right? <laughs> it's just, right. Um, but I really do like that effect. The, the light definitely good at building hype. But yeah, that's true. The, so performance in the performances, there are a couple of things that they do kind of standardly. Uh, you know, the, a couple of breaks for call and response and stuff like that. Yeah, usually right after they make faces at each other is when you'll get a call and response these days mm-hmm. from Sue on stage. Yeah, so she'll she'll you know say hello to the place that she's at. Right. Usually pronouncing yeah. it mostly correctly. <laughs> <laughs> Are you ready to jump? Yeah. Et cetera. There's one slight disadvantage with being as into this as we all are, um, which is that we know from having seen all of these things that she says basically the same thing every time. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah. If you only went to one, it would feel sort of spontaneous. Right. But, oh, well, it's still fun. I mean, I think, I think she's still enjoying it and she doesn't have to worry about it. You know, it's sort of like wearing the same shirt every day or whatever. It's like one thing you don't have to worry about and like you can spend your energy somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. What do you think of Megasini being the intro song? To, it was pretty much, was it la- last year it was used a lot, wasn't it? Yeah, I think they often do that in festivals too. They'll, yes, they'll use yeah. that as a... Yeah. Mm. They do love intro because it's got that great walk on. Yeah, mm. it's really, really great. Do. Yeah, that's true. I guess um, they do, yeah, that gives them that gives them the opportunity to to appear while things are happening. Right. Um it also, though, in some cases, makes it clear that the comedy band aren't doing anything. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. they are also walking on. <laughs> but That's okay. They hit you pretty hard with those drums yeah. when the song does start. Right. I think as soon as the drums hit, I forget that there's a laptop. It would be interesting if at any point they, I mean, they never will, but... Um, you know, bring on somebody to do some of those synthesized parts live. I think that would be interesting, but I just don't know that I need a keyboard commie. I think that would look weird because I've never, I've, I've never seen a keyboardist in a band of any genre that looks cool while playing. That's true. <laughs> it's just no way to look cool. <laughs> <laughs> playing the synth. <laughs> well, there was, uh, I forget. I think this was probably a, a mini potty performance where someone came on with a keytar. The, the guy who wrote the song. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've seen that. that was, but that also probably doesn't qualify as cool. Yeah, and I think that works for Mini Patsy. It doesn't really work for Baby Metal. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. You could, maybe you could get like a Flying V guitar. Oh, there you go. <laughs> the song 
does open a lot of shows though. I mean, I can, that, yeah. that's been a strong position that it's been in. Someone actually did a count. I think it may have been that same person who was talking about like when it was last not played and stuff like that, did a count of like what position it was in the, in the set list, but it became a little hard to tell, uh, how often it ended the set list because it was just listed in order of position. So like mm. it was in first place a lot and then you know, on second, third and fourth or whatever. But, um, you can't tell when it was last because the song, the sets had different numbers of songs in them. <laughs> sure. So, but I think it ends, I think it does end a few, I don't know, road of resistance kind of took over that ending spot, mm-hmm. but it is a good, it's a good hype song. Good, good getting started song. Yeah. It's very Definitely. Good. I don't know. I don't know that there's, much more to say here. Yeah. I'm sure I'll think of something later, but I mean, like, you know, whatever. This is, uh, there's probably more to talk about about the song than any of us would have guessed ahead of time. <laughs> no, sure. Yeah, true. So Every time we do one of these, I learn stuff. Yeah, me too. And I mean, like, I I, uh, I think I know a fair amount, but just actually going going back mm-hmm. and really watching what Dwayne Metal says and stuff. Exactly. Um, just a, you know, yet one more plug for going to the Dwayne Metal 10 part video series that yeah. that is that is really a deep dive on this uh, yeah. song as well i'm gonna watch and he's, it he's very funny <laughs> yeah and he does show up occasionally like he'll he, like he'll start uh like playing guitar himself and stuff mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, or speaking in spanish or french or yeah i don't know it's it's very he's he's very silly oh okay i think then is there anything that we want to say sort of like closing out the episode anything we want to say about what's coming up or anything like that well i don't know that there's a whole lot coming up but i would like to know wherever you're listening to this if you have a comment option or hit us up in the discord i'd like to know your thoughts on this song and where it kind of ranks on your personal favorite list or if there's anything we missed uh leave us a comment yeah that's that's an interesting idea yes number one for me is it i know for me this song kind of came in like i can't i came across this probably like third or fourth or something um, hmm. so I hadn't actually thought about ranking it. I usually, I usually put, um, <laughs> you know, I usually put karate at the beginning because that's what sort of brought me in. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I, I don't actually think about this song that much. I just don't stop it. You know, when it's playing, I listen to it, but I don't often target it. <laughs> sure. Though I have to say, I'm not sure that I can, there aren't many songs that I stop. <laughs> so <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Anyway, yeah, definitely let us know what you what you what we missed about the song, uh, or what things we mispronounced, or whatever how to how to properly pronounce uh, this you know Yu Yo Yu Bay's name <laughs> that sort of thing. <laughs> and if you figure out that, that been the if you figure out that word Paul's been thinking of, let him know too. Oh, oh yeah, see, I had, I'd forgotten all about that until you reminded me. Now, um, uh, yeah. Anyway. Well, if I figure out the word, that maybe that'll be the name of the episode. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna get a message at three o'clock in the morning. I've got it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It is, it's right. It's it's a it is basically a synonym for definitive, and it's kind of like prototypical, but um, and it sort of means like at the summit. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna get my thoris yeah, out and I'll try help you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I mean I have all the pieces here. Uh, yeah, people are suggesting Ooh. things in the chat room. There's some suggestions. Yeah. <laughs> but there's some good ones. None of none of these are the None? No. 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 
it's not that important. <laughs> it's just a funny running theme for this episode. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, welcome again, Kelly, uh, to the team. Uh, looking forward to the future podcasts here. Yay, thank you. So that's it for this episode. You can join us on the Baby Metal Podcast Discord to continue the conversation. Rating the podcast on whatever platform you listen on will help people find it, so please do that. Uh, we'll be back here in about two weeks. We hope you'll join us then. And until then, see you.